Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and I am joined today by Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, it's been a little while since our last show. Uh, Hurricane Dorian obviously you know, threw us a couple wrinkles, uh, but we're back. Florida football relatively unaffected by the storm, which is great news, and I know we're all excited, obviously, to get out there and get that first home game in the Swamp. Yeah, I'm sure it was probably a little different as far as having a bye week so early in the season. You have your week zero matchup, and then you kind of have to watch the rest of the world for week one. So it was definitely a uh, intense, sometimes head scratching games for the SEC East, and I know we'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, you know, it was uh, it was nice for us. You know, we get to watch. I love a yeah. bye week. There's nothing better than a bye week to me. But it was different as far as. Um, you know, I know practice was a little different for Florida with the hurricane. Obviously, you don't have a game in the week, so it, uh, you know, it feels like it feels like it's forever since the first game. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a weird feeling. Uh, you know, that Miami game, there was so much hype and buildup going into it, and obviously the way it played out, uh, it, you know, it was obviously heavily scrutinized, you know, being that Florida had a bunch of turnovers, that Felipe Franks was once again kind of a lightning rod. Uh, it feels it feels like it was a month ago, <laughs> and we're sitting here now, and we're about to get back into football. Um, it's just kind of a weird feeling. I don't I don't know if the players feel that way, but I certainly feel like it, it's almost like the start of a new season for Florida. And I know that's kind of how Dan Mullen described it. Um, you know, they didn't even really practice a whole lot during the bye week. They you know they spent a couple days, I think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, kind of going over some of the stuff they needed to clean up in terms of tackling angles. Um, but really, they used it as kind of an extension of fall camp, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, Dan Mullen said basically anything that they repped in fall camp that they that they didn't feel like they got enough of or wanted to hit a little bit more, they did that on those first couple of days. And then they took Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off altogether. So I know some players were able to get out of town, rest up. Um, but it'll be interesting to me to see if you you know if you have a little bit of of lingering sloppiness, I guess you'd say. Um, because it's certainly not kind of the the continuous flow you get when you're going week to week within games, you know? Right. I mean, you kind of sit around and, and you have a, a game where Florida played a little sloppy, like you said. You missed some tackles. You have some turnovers. Things just aren't firing. Obviously, it's early in the season, but usually you kind of have those games to where, you know, you have an opening game where you play a cupcake, kind of like Florida's facing this weekend. Um, and, and, I mean, you just kind of come out and fire on all cylinders and you kind of keep moving on but instead Florida has some time where they are off due to a bye week there was obviously a hurricane so there were a lot of different things that you know I think if Florida doesn't or didn't put their their heart and soul into this week of preparation this time off that you know cupcake games I mean look at Georgia State against Tennessee I mean they can come back and get you so I mean Florida I think the thing that and I know Dan Mullen always preaches on this is just staying focused um, keeping keeping control of things they can control, and I think it's uh you know we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think you'll f- start to find out a little bit of the leadership on this team um, because that's one of the things that really you rely on your players right to kind of keep that intensity. Um, and it's hard to I, get geared up for a cupcake. You know, no, I, 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 mean, I doubt anyone is. on the team is like, "Woo, let's go, UT Martin." Yeah, I mean, it's just human nature. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. I, I really just want to see Florida execute more cleanly. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, they're going to have significant advantages when you talk about being able to push guys around. Um, that that happens in these kind of games. Uh, it's more the other stuff. Do you have the stupid mistakes, the late hits, uh, the turnovers that are relatively unforced? Um, the, the good news for Florida is 
having a week zero game, I think, would be a little bit more concerning if you had that, that you know, that week, and then you have a weird week where you have a hurricane kind of coming through, and there's just a lot going on. You're not going straight into like an SEC game here. You do get a chance uh, in a relatively low pressure situation to go out and get those those kinks ironed out. Um, but then I also think, you know, I we, we talked about it a little bit. I think the week one, um, the, you know, the chance for Florida to sit there and watch some of these other teams. And you mentioned Georgia State, you know, upsetting Tennessee. Missouri loses to Wyoming. I think having seen some of those results, I think it's probably a little easier for Dan Mullen to keep his guys focused as well. Sure. If there's anything, I mean, when it hits close to home, not in your in your conference, but in your division of your conference where you have two teams get an upset early on, I think that, you know, I think any coach is going to use that as, as I don't want to say it's bulletin board material because it's not going to fire the team up, but it's just to, to know that it's there and that it's possible. Well, Blake, what did you take away from, you know, obviously there were a lot of teams that, that struggled in week one across the country, uh, but it seemed like the SEC East, at least going into the season, there was some talk that, um, you know, the, the East beat the SEC West last year when it came to the head-to-head matchups, and I think a lot of people were expecting the division to be a little bit better. What was your takeaway just in terms of seeing how much really everybody kind of struggled? I mean, even Kentucky had a little bit of trouble with Toledo there. Right. I think it it kind of ties back to, you know, it's the first week of the season. Obviously, those teams didn't get the win. I mean, Kentucky did, but, you know, Missouri, uh, Tennessee, you know, they didn't, they didn't pull out the win, but you know, I think it kind of pulls back into a lot of people that we talked about, you know, maybe a little bit of, you know, kind of relax whenever it comes to terms of Florida having these mistakes during the season. You know, I think that it's just kind of part of the game of it, you know, where you kind of you start out and, and you kind of work on these things as the season goes along. Sure, I think every fan would love for Florida to come out and blow the doors off of Miami. But, um, you know, I think when you look around and not even just at the SEC East, I think Trevor Lawrence had a little bit of some struggles in his first uh, first game whenever they played Georgia Tech. So, you know, and he's a guy who's getting all these Heisman um, talks and all this, that, and the other, and he came out and threw two interceptions. I mean, obviously they won the game by a, a decisive margin, but I, I think whenever you look at a lot of the quarterbacks around the country, not even just in the SEC East, there were some struggles there, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I think it, it just kind of goes back to it's part of the season. It, it's early on, and, and obviously you have to fix those mistakes, and it's about what you do going forward. Well, let me ask you this, um, because it's obviously, you know, it's been talked about quite a lot. Uh, I don't think it's any secret that there's a lot of diverse opinions out there on Felipe Franks. Did he get unfair scrutiny because that game was in week zero? I mean, in your opinion. Yeah, I think so. I I think whenever you, um, you know, to to his credit, I I think yes. But I also think, too, that he did make some mistakes and – that some of them were on him, obviously the interceptions, you know, you fumble the ball. I know that he was trying to do different things, you know, whenever he pulled it out and he was going to throw that first um, fumble out to Grimes, who was open. Obviously there was a, a fumble on the other one that was the running back. So, um, you know, I, I think so just because I think when you look around at a lot of these, you know, big time quarterbacks, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, is the one that I mentioned before that, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's possible for a quarterback to come out and struggle. You know, I, I don't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of fans just go back to the old Felipe, you know, yeah. wherever he had his red shirt freshman year and, you know, things really didn't go well. And I think that it's easy to forget his successful last season, which he did have struggles there last season as well. You know, I, South Carolina game, you know, he's shushing the crowd. If Kyle Trask maybe doesn't get an injury last year, I think there maybe could have been a quarterback change last year. So, you know, I do think that to an extent, yes, they were, you know, a little much. Um but I think it's going to be things that he also needs to work on and fix as well. So I think a lot of fans are just kind of waiting for it's so to say that they're waiting for him to go back to that old Felipe Franks. And I think that, you know, 
we don't know what's going to happen. I think that this is the perfect week for him to come out and play a team that's going to be more than likely overwhelmed by a better Florida team, and this is his chance to kind of shine and and maybe get some of that confidence back. He's always been a confident guy, and I, I don't know that he's going to – you couldn't tell from his game that he's not going to be confident, but I think there's – in his head, um, he's always been his own worst enemy. Yeah, I, I think I think you kind of nailed on it, and the, the thing I keep going back to with Franks is – because of all the stuff, the you know, the I do this, that those kind of you know, the shushing the fans, uh, his entire performance as a redshirt freshman in 2017. I think what you see a lot with Felipe Franks, or at least what I see, is that people are looking to have their bias confirmed. There's a lot of confirmation bias on both sides going on with Franks, where people have basically heavily leaned towards making up their mind on him in terms of whether or not he can get it done at an elite level against elite teams like the Georgias, the Alabamas, um, those type of teams. And I think what happens is when Felipe Franks does make a mistake, there's a huge portion of, of the people that are watching out there, whether it's his own fans, whether it's the media. You know, I know Kirk Herbstreet has been banging on him for two weeks now. Um, where they see that mistake and they go, yep, that's that that proves my point. He can't, you know, this is going to happen against good teams and he's just not going to be able to get it done. And I think there's probably there's probably some degree of truth in that, because I think a lot of what Felipe struggles with is managing the mental aspect of the game. Um, you know, it was one thing with like Jeff Driscoll um, back in 2014 when he had the terrific fall camp. He, he understood everything from an X's and O's standpoint. Um, it was just that once he got to the games, it, he didn't seem to process it quite as quickly. And I don't know that Franks has those same issues because I see when I went back and watched the tape from the Miami game, um, I, I saw a lot of things that it looked like Felipe was really trying to make the right decision. And I even look at like the interception he threw to Freddie Swain. That's not a throw that I have a problem with. Um, you know, it, it's slightly off. The accuracy is slightly off. But I think the decision making there was actually fairly good. Um, that route's supposed to be run a little flatter. It's supposed to break off a little sooner. Um, but Frank sees the free safety kind of looming and coming into the area. And I think he tries to throw it to Swain's back shoulder. Um, what ends up happening is it's a tough pass to, to catch. And Swain ends up popping it up and the safety's right there. But those are the kind of plays where I think you see, you can kind of see, and maybe this is me going off my own confirmation bias that Dan Mullen's a really good quarterbacks coach. And I think Felipe is improving. But to me, throws like that are positive. Um, it's an, it's a negative end result in the interception, but I think you start to see the thought process of where Felipe's trying to be safer with the football, which is something that Dan Mullen has preached for a long, long time. So I got to be honest with you, Blake, like when, when I watched the game live, uh, in the stadium in Orlando, I, there were a couple throws where I was like, man, this is the same old Felipe Franks this is going to be a disaster this year. And then when I like kind of, you know, took myself out of that, that charged environment and went back and rewatched the game. I said I, there were there were some things where I'm like, OK, that's actually a good decision from Felipe. You know, the RPO where they fumble in the red zone. That's a good decision. It was executed poorly, but it was a good decision because sure, that was Grimes a touchdown more than likely. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I I think kind of putting all this week one talk into context, I think when you see some of the, the struggles of the other guys out there, I keep coming back to I think Florida is a well-coached enough team with enough talent to say that I think it's a two-team race in the SEC East right now. Now, that's probably a giant overreaction based on week one. But I think Florida's in a different tier. I don't know that they're quite along with Georgia yet, but I think they're up there. And to me, if Felipe Franks can continue to progress, that determines whether or not Florida can make a legit run at Georgia this year and probably contend for the SEC East. 
Sure. You know, I, I definitely agree. I think that it is it's it's a two team race in the SEC East, and and of course, could this opinion change in a couple weeks if some teams look better or some things change? Sure. But I think for right now, um, I, I think that it's when you go back and you watch what Franks did, I, I think it's hard for anyone to say that he's not improved from his first year. Um, has he improved from last year? Who knows? We'll, we'll see how the rest of the season goes along. But I do think that you can see the growth that he's made. And, you know, right. I, I think that a lot of people, it's it's just fans going back to this was the old Felipe. And, you know, I think if we made a list of, of maybe the most disliked Florida players in the in the last x amount of years i think felipe franks is going to be number one because he's going to rub fans the wrong way with the shushing and you know talking on the camera and doing this that and the other you know those kind of things like that but that's him and i think that he's gonna rub some fans the wrong way some fans may like it some fans may not so I, i think that it's it is unfair because i think a lot of people do have a bias towards him in that sense so you know i think that he needs to worry about continuing to improve, and the big thing for him is that he's checked social media, he's checked this, that, and the other. You know, I think that his thing now is to continue just to kind of keep away from that and just worry about what he's got going on on the field. Well, I think that's the one thing that sticks out to me is Felipe Franks isn't fighting it anymore. You know, when when he was facing all the scrutiny and all that, he he early on in his career was was absolutely fighting it tooth and nail, and that's where you see like. You know, he likes the or gives like a thumbs up to Luke Del Rio when Luke Del Rio says something critical on Twitter. Um, you know, the shushing of the fans. I think he's leaning into it now, um, you know, and, and he won't necessarily put it in those terms. You know, we've asked a couple players about this, um, whether he's kind of embraced that role of taking on the heel and just being that guy. And I, I don't know that it's necessarily a conscious thing, but I think he's just more comfortable now in the fact that the, the coaching staff trusts him and he's the guy. And so he's not worried about, you know, some of the criticism here and there. I think he's still I think he still very much hears it. I think he still is aware that it's out there. Um, but I think like Josh Hammond told us this week, he's like, you know, he's going to like when he gets emotional, he's going to do those kind of things. He's going to punt the ball in the stands. He's going to look at the camera. Um, but that's just Felipe. At the end of the day, that's Felipe. And I think, you know, like you said, if he continues to improve, I think he's a guy you can win with. I think the issue for a lot of fans is. You know, this is a guy that's a fourth year player now. So when you do see some of the, you know, kind of the mundane mistakes, it rubs you a little bit differently than if it's, you know, a redshirt freshman like Emory Jones, who you're willing to roll with those mistakes a little bit more. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of Emory Jones, with a team like Tennessee Martin coming up this weekend, Mm -hmm. I think you're more than likely at some point going to see some of these backup quarterbacks. Emory Jones is probably the one that I think a lot of fans are excited to see. I think it's good to see. Well, how he's grown from this year. Obviously, you play him in a couple games last year to keep his red shirt. I- I'm excited to see him this year. I hope that Florida gets to a point where they can throw him in there because I'm really excited to see him, you know, kind of get after it. Yeah, and it, you know what? I'll say this. Dan Mullen teams have been very good about taking care of business in these cupcake games. Uh, you saw it last year. Felipe Franks had five touchdowns in the first half against Charleston Southern. And those, you know, the Idaho game, Emory Jones was able to get a lot of playing time. These are the kind of games that you have to clean up those execution problems and not be sloppy so that you can begin developing those younger players. And I think that's one thing, particularly when you talk about quarterbacks, you know, Dan Mullen is so, so careful with how he treats young quarterbacks that I think making sure you get the opportunity to play guys like Emory Jones for lengthy periods of time in games like this where there's not a ton of pressure, I think is hugely important. Um, I would fully expect that Florida is able to do that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where Jones is at. You know, it's always kind of hard to tell. You, you can't really evaluate 
uh, a backup quarterback like Emory Jones in a game like this. But I think you're not necessarily trying to evaluate and figure out exactly who he's going to be down the road. I think it's more about just getting him those snaps and continuing to build kind of a comfort level and a confidence. And I, I think this is the kind of game where, you know, I know last year there were some games where Emory Jones was in there by the last series of the second half. If you're Florida and you're playing well, that's what you want to see this weekend, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see him play. I'm also interested to see Kyle Trask get in there. I would assume that they're going to have some quarterbacks get in the game. But obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, you know what you're going to get with Trask. He's been in the program long enough. He hasn't played a ton. But I think from the most part of seeing him in practice and, and the little bit of game reps that he has taken, I think that for the most part, I, I don't know if, how involved he's going to be. I do think that it's more than likely going to be the Emory Jones show when they get to a certain point where Franks is going to be pulled and you start putting in the backups in. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, Dan Mullen joked with us, uh, you know, I guess it was yesterday um, that, you know, people are going to overreact to whoever is the, you know, the second quarterback to go in after Franks. Um, I would expect both guys to get some reps. I think Emory Jones will probably get the bulk of the reps, uh, but we'll see. Um, Blake, I want to get into kind of breaking down UT Martin and and talk about some of these areas for improvement that, you know, Florida needs to make. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to that right after uh, this break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, let's let's get into UT Martin. I know we've talked a little bit about this game kind of being a cupcake game, so to speak. No disrespect intended, obviously, but there's a big talent level and skill gap here. Um, so we'll get to UT Martin, I think, towards the end. I, I want to kind of focus on some of the, the areas of improvement that, that we needed to see from Florida. What was the biggest thing to you that I guess stood out that you would like to see cleaned up this week? I think really tackles. Tackling is the thing that I think defensively that they need to worry about cleaning up. Um, whenever you have some guys in the secondary, talented guys in the secondary, like Marco Wilson, CJ Henderson, missing tackles, kind of diving and not wrapping up. I think that those are the things that I'm really interested to see how they come out and and show that they've improved in those ways, because those are just really two talented players. And, and, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't completely blow it. You know, obviously they, they made their own plays in the right mind. Um, but those are two guys you're looking for to be kind of the field generals, you know, your, your impact players in your defense. So I think tackling kind of wrapping up and making sure that you bring guys down. Um, another thing too is, is 
really falling on the fumbles. You know, I think that there was a lot of fumbles on offense, on defense that Florida could have landed on. And, you know, there, there were some that kind of shot out and kept moving and going along there. So I think kind of, you know, taking advantage of whenever you have something that's given to you in, in, in way of a fumble. I, I think that those two things are um, really what they need to work on. And obviously on the offensive side, I think that if one thing really sticks out to me, it's probably in the run blocking game. Because I think that when you have an offensive line that I have expected, I've been very vocal all in the fall camp offseason that this is a line unit that I think was going to struggle. And I think that whenever you look at the run blocking, they didn't get the push against Miami. I'll be that it was a very talented front seven, but mm -hmm. I think that that's something you really want to see them come out and impose their will on a team that, like we said, it's not going to be up to the same talent level. So, you know, I thought they were very good in pass protection. I thought they gave a lot of clean pockets. I thought they were very good. They're pleasantly surprising to me, but I think in one area on offense is probably the run blocking to kind of get that push open things up. I know that they didn't really get as much of the run game um, that they wanted to in Miami and that could be from a lot of reasons whether pass game was better didn't get all of the offensive snaps with turnovers and whatnot going there so I think just kind of seeing them execute better there not only on the offensive line blocking in the run game but also the tight ends I know we talked about that after the Miami game you know just really overall just kind of getting that push and opening up those lanes yeah I think I mean that pretty much covers it um I think there are two things going back to the tackling real quick you know I, I'm not super concerned about um, CJ Henderson or Marco Wilson, those guys, I think, you know, that you're going to have some first game rust for, for sure. Wilson, especially, you know, coming off an ACL tear. I think the, the, the bigger thing, I, and those are all correctable things. The, the one thing to me that really stood out, particularly watching the game in Orlando, um, not necessarily on the TV view when you're going back and rewatching it, the angles that a lot of the safeties took in the run game were way too shallow. Um, We've talked a lot about the safeties maybe not being the best athletes, especially when you don't have Brad Stewart back there. Um, but I think that was the thing that stood out to me the most was there were so many bad angles where they either just barely got there or uh, didn't get there in time to make what would be a good form tackle. Um, the other thing I thought I saw a lot of from the safeties uh, when they were breaking down in the open field is they stopped moving their feet. Um, I saw it with Donovan Steiner at least three or four different times on film where he breaks down in front of the guy, and you know I, I've made my thoughts pretty clear on him. I, I don't think that's his strength. Um, but once you break down, you have to keep your feet moving so you can go through the tackle. And I saw way too many times where not just Steiner, but some of the other guys would break down, and then they would kind of leap or lunge into a tackle. And that's that's an easy way to miss tackles because then you don't have any force or drive behind you. So I want to see I want to see Florida safeties really clean up their angles to the ball, get better at that. I know that's something Todd Grantham talked about. I don't know how, how much you can do that because in my experience, typically with safeties, uh, guys that have trouble taking angles to the ball are used to being um, just better athletes, and so they can get away with it in high school. And I think there's a little bit of uh, misjudging speed there that goes into it, and I don't know how easy that is to correct, but it'll be interesting to see if they can do that. I don't know that this is a game where you'll fully see that because of the discrepancy in athletes. Um, but then I think, you know, working on thudding up and keeping the feet moving through tackles, I think is a big area, you know, that we need to see from Florida. Um, yeah, the, the safety position, they, those guys really mm -hmm. did struggle. You could really tell that they were missing Brad Stewart in that week zero matchup. And I think whenever you have SEC games looming, not only an SEC East game against Kentucky, but one on the road. I think this is the perfect week for these safeties to kind of get fine tuned, work on all these things and really get ready for a tough road environment. Yeah, and we'll get to uh, kind of some of the threats that UT Martin poses in a minute or two. Um, but it will be, a, I mean, it'll be a challenge for those guys. They got some some serious height at the receiver core and, and some guys that can make some plays. Um, 
I thought one thing that you said was really interesting. You talked about Felipe Franks maybe being a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. You mentioned the pass pro was very good. I agreed with that completely. Um, I actually noted it a couple times, you know, while we were live in Orlando watching the game, that Franks just seemed to kind of roll out when pressure wasn't there. I don't know if that's because he's more comfortable throwing on the run or what, but I think there were a couple plays where he kind of limited the progression. And, and that's hard for me to say because you don't know exactly what he's reading on a given play, but I thought there were a couple times where he rolled to his left where he took away options that maybe would have been open over the middle of the field had he stayed in the pocket. So I want to see, particularly in a game where you're not as concerned about you know a front seven that was as good as Miami's, Will he stay in the pocket and be willing to be patient and go through and make those throws? I think when you're talking about fans, you know, having some of these issues with Franks, that's one of the chief ones you usually hear is, you know, he he just isn't patient. He doesn't go through progressions. I think one thing that that a lot of people forget, and I want to make this point real quick, is Dan Mullen's offense is designed to be primarily like pre-snap. Like you're you're figuring out based on the numbers in the box what you're going to do. Um, if you can identify the coverage, usually that gives you a, a quick read or two that if it's open, you got a guy one-on-one, this is where you're going with the ball. So I think a lot of people confuse Felipe Franks not going through progressions with, okay, Felipe Franks sees what the defense is in, has his first read where he wants it, and throws to the first read. Like on a lot of those, that's the play he's supposed to make. He's not necessarily supposed to go through a progression. Um, so it's not necessarily like a, a typical NFL pro-style offense where you're very routinely going one, two, three, four through your reads. And I think that gets lost on fans sometimes. Um, going to your first read is not always a bad option. Like sometimes that's what you should be doing. Um, but I do want to see Franks get more comfortable in the pocket because I think I think that was an area that really stood out to me. You got to stop rolling out of uh, clean pockets. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that just has to do with a you know a new offensive line and maybe not knowing what you're going to get out of them in a first game. So I, I don't know if that's something that we'll see kind of develop as the year goes along. But, you know, whenever you have an offensive line that is taking care of a very good Miami defense and you're getting those good looks at clean pocket, mm-hmm. got to take advantage of it. You can't scramble out there. I mean, you're making guys scramble out there into space and start cleaning up some blocks. You're leaving yourself open for a wide open hit. You know, there, there are a lot of different factors that could happen from scrambling out in the pocket. I mean, or he could take off to green grass. So, you know, I, I think – Staying in the pocket there, trusting the offensive line and trusting the offense and trusting those reads, like you said, if one's not there, two's there, you know, more than likely he's going to go for the first read just because that's how the offense works. So I think it's just one of those things with just staying patient, like you said, you mentioned that. And I just don't know that Franks is a very patient person, you know, and I think that that's something that he's going to have to continue to work on. Well, I think part of that, too, when you look at the Miami game in particular, um, I think the inability to get the run game to put a lot of the pressure on Franks. Right. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, there was so much scrutiny is really that game was on him. I mean, you look at what Florida did offensively in, in terms of the run game, they didn't have anything going. So he had to make plays and he probably felt that as the game went on, that they just weren't getting much in the run game. So I, you know, I, again, I never want to make too much of one game. And I think, I think we definitely, everybody has a tendency to do that when that's all you've got. Um, but I think, you know, going, going kind of forward with that idea. I think Florida does. They, they got to prove they can establish some run game. And to me, more than the O-line, I think it's the tight ends. Um, Florida really relies on those guys with all, you know, all the runs off tackle. Those guys are kind of at the point of attack. And I saw it way too many times against Miami where whether it was Kyle Pitts or Lucas Kroll, either just whiffing on a guy and, and um, kind of allowing that guy to make the play, uh, double teaming the same guy that happened at least once where the play could have gone for a big gain. Um, or just outright getting pushed back. And so the Michael P. Ryan or Damian Pierce has to re-angle in the backfield, and it really kind of threw off the timing of the play. 
those guys need to have a better game against UT Martin because there's no excuse physically for those guys not to be able to push around, you know, some of these UT Martin players. Absolutely. And, and if it's and not that, those guys, yeah. Kimori Gamble is another guy who's very able. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you're not going to get that, that uh, you know, if you're not going to get someone who's got the size of Lucas Kroll to set the edge like that, I think it's time to kind of move around and see maybe some other options there because Florida does have Kimori Gamble who's very good option there. Um, you know, I don't know that Keon Zipper is, is quite there yet being a freshman when you have some of these guys that have the size and a little bit more experience in the program. But I thought that if there was one thing, you know, I could pick on the offensive line all day for not opening up the running lanes. But I thought that when I went back and looked at the game too, I thought that the run blocking from the tight end was probably one of the biggest things, glaring things that they really needed to focus on there. Yeah. And I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're going to see Gamble get a lot more snaps. I think he only had probably three or four at most against Miami. And one of Florida's biggest runs of the day came running right behind him. Um, so I, I think you will see that. Um, kind of briefly looking at UT Martin, I mean, you know, it's hard to take too much away against an opponent like this. I don't think we need to really get X's and O's too deep. Um, but they had kind of an interesting game last week against Northwestern State. You look at the score, they won 42-20, to 20, and it looks pretty good. Um, but the game was kind of weird. Uh, Northwestern State actually outgained UT Martin 483 yards to 309. Uh, but somehow got outscored in the second half, 28 to zero. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me was Northwestern State was able to throw the ball all over them. Um, so if you're looking for a game for Felipe Franks to put up some big numbers, I think this is your game. Um, I think when you look defensively at UT Martin, they run a little bit of, a, of an interesting three-three-five kind of scheme, um, and they've got they've actually got some decent size in those those starting guys up front. Um, so it, it won't necessarily look like a, a huge mismatch, and they're very veteran in the front seven, or front six, I guess I should say. Um, but the secondary, like I said, is very vulnerable. When you look at, you know, they, they've got a lot of redshirt seniors and juniors in, the, in that front six. Uh, you know, the, the back five in the secondary is actually quite a bit younger. So I, I think you, this is a game where you want to see Felipe Franks make those good decisions, go through his reads, and be able to find the open spaces. Um, in terms of what floor is going up against defensively, I think running back Peyton, Peyton Logan is the guy you got to keep an eye on. He's a five, eight guy, about 180 pounds, but he's one of those small shifty backs that just always kind of f- seems to find a crease or a way to make something happen. Had 149 carries and two touchdowns last week on just 13 carries. So a pretty productive guy. Um, he's He's a guy that's going to challenge you in terms of tackling. Um, you know, those small elusive guys sometimes are able to, uh, beat you when you take bad angles or you, you don't kind of run through the tackle. So those are things I'm looking at. I think that for the Florida secondary, you'll actually get a decent test. You know, UT Martin has some good size at receiver. I just don't know, you know, given Florida's pass rush, if those guys are going to have time to get balls thrown their way. Um, but you're talking about a 6'4 guy in Rodney Williams, a 6'3 guy in Donnell Williams, and, and a 6'2 target in Jalen Moore. So, you know, they've, they've got some pieces. Uh, we were talking to David Reese early, earlier this week. You just never know. I mean, some of these guys have some hidden athletes that can present some problems. And so I think the the biggest key for Florida, like we've talked about, is making sure that they clean up their own mistakes and that they come out focused, ready to play. Yeah, and you know, I I do think that Florida should easily win this game. I think that they're obviously better on the talent scheme, but a lot of these things you've named, you know, when you have a running back who's capable and you have a team that's made some bad angles, some bad tackles in their first game, I think this is a good chance to kind of have a practice test so to say that does Mm -hmm. count you know obviously you're going to need to win this game you need to be staying focused you don't need to take any opponent lightly but it's going to challenge you in areas that you really need to work on and I think this is a good chance for them to really focus on these things and improve and I think that this week 
is a good chance to do it. Just stay focused, worry about those things, and obviously don't let a uh, you know Georgia State, Wyoming type of thing happen to you. Yeah, I mean, that's the key for Florida. And, and you know, you can't let this opportunity go to waste. You know, you may not learn a ton, um, but you're going on the road to Kentucky next week. And however Kentucky looked against Toledo, uh, it's a significant jump in competition again. So, you know, the more confidence you can build in a game like this, get everybody some reps that needs to, particularly those, you know, those backups are going to need the reps too in case somebody goes down against a Kentucky. You'd like to see some some backup O-linemen able to, to work in there. Um but this is a game where you, I think you start to find a little bit about your leadership. How focused is the team able to come out? How how much are they able to fight that human nature element of we are bigger, faster, stronger than these guys? Um, and it's the first game in the swamp, you know? I mean, what's not to like? So I, I guess, Blake, that'll do it for us today. We'll be back on Sunday breaking down the game after we both had a chance to rewatch it. Um, but, guys, we appreciate you listening. Uh, please go ahead and drop us a like or a subscribe on your uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Tell your friends about it, and we will be back on Sunday evening with more Gators football.